0: Interesting. It's interesting the caliber of um, talent and ability that we have here, okay, and that we're bringing up because there's, there's loads of expression. Before now, we've known such presentation, what I did, we've known it as what? Who knows what it's, it's been called before? Um, spoken yeah. word. Exactly. It's been known as spoken word. Um, commonly. Um, that's what we've called it. But really, they are psalms, just presented very special. And you can sing psalms as well. Um, David talked about it, and there are some songs that are psalms, you know, that we sing. We may not know that they are psalms, but they are. They're somewhere there. But they come from God's spirit, and we use them. And there's a number of things to notice when worshiping God. I've heard very, very interesting songs being used to worship God and the truth about them is that they are not worship. I'll give you an example. A song that, say, acknowledges uh, sin or some kind of guilt, Lord, I've really messed up, this, that and the other, you're telling God a story. Maybe it's a song that the writer of the song was writing out of inspiration of the moment they were having it is good for maybe your personal time i don't know why you are seeing in any way to not be using that as what you want to be using to worship god but i'm just saying you understand it's good for your personal time but it's not actually the greatest in terms of worshiping god when you're admiring someone if you're admiring your father would you be saying daddy i've done you so much wrong except you are going to now reflect on his love after it all are we following Anyway, well, that's not my focus. I just wanted you to appreciate that song. Um, as we were declaring, He is God over all. Okay, worship is adoration, praise to Him. But my heart is very heavy because um, I want to share with you something. I know what to take today. Freedom is not free. Part three. You want to say something?
1: Is the song original?
0: yes oh, every song you get. <laughs> yeah but quite every song you will hear um on sundays especially because we're doing something with it as, as an original so um like i said my heart is heavy we're meant to share freedom is not free part three which is the finale of a series that we've basically been running um for a while last week sunday would have been part three but we um had the lord lead us in a different direction but while preparing for this uh, service okay i was meant to meet at a certain time but while i was still praying job describes a particular kind of vision he said the kind of vision that comes just before men sleep Just as they put their head to bed, he describes a kind of vision. And in that moment, it was a quick vision, but it was about the rapture. Okay, And that's what I wanted to start this with, a very, very interesting occurrence. We were in a room like this, and we were somewhat watching maybe a movie or a tape, something that was trying to convey the the rapture. You understand? But I was in two places at once, so I'm trying to explain to you something now. Okay, so follow me. We were kind of like in a room like this, watching something, kind of watching like a rapture tape. Huh? But then, we looked outside, and as soon as we looked outside, I was taken to being inside an airplane. Okay, are you following? But I still knew I was in the room, but in the airplane at the same time. Now, with visions, when God is taking you somewhere, you know, things can happen. You say, I was here, I was taken here, but it's all happening. So... We looked outside and the clouds seemed to be doing something. You know, like they were kind of gathering upwards in a certain way. And we were all just laughing in the room We said, oh, isn't it funny that while we're watching a film on the rapture and some of these things are happening on the movie screen, it seems like it's the same reflection outside. Okay? So we were watching. So I'm at the window seat. Yes, because I pee down. But I'm at the window seat, right? And I'm looking out, and it's the same thing. And then I notice there's a bit of a darkness, like a smoke. Okay? So I look out, and while people are just thinking this is irregular smoke or black, you know, dust or something, I notice something has crashed down below. Okay? So there's a bunch of buildings and something crashed right in front. And there was this smoke that was going up and then that was what was at, at our level. And then we're still out, you know, like, oh isn't it interesting that we're watching something about the rapture and something seems to be going on outside, we were not conscious of what was happening. I then started noticing like little flames in the cloud, I'm in an airplane, say, 15k feet in the air, 15k, 20k in the air, I have a bit of visual of the ground, okay, and I notice, like, flames in the air, just like that, and gradually, like, there's just a flame everywhere, then I notice, you know, when you're in a plane, you you can feel whether we're going down or up, I notice that the, the plane was kind of going up, so it's as though we were, the plane itself was rapturing. I'm trying to convey something, okay? And so, in that moment, I'm like, oh, wait, hold on, i are watching a film about the rapture, but that's not the focus right now. The rapture really is happening right now. <laughs> this is no film. And so, while I'm there, um, I'm, while I'm there, I'm like, about to, so <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is what's happening. I know what's happening. So I notice the, I feel the plane going up, but then, so you think the plane is rapturing, but then it starts to tilt. Mm-mm. And you know, you can feel that. It starts to tilt, and it's it as though this plane is about to go upside down, right? Planes don't go upside down. For those who think passengers, you know, you just feel like it. No, it was really going upside down, and it was kind of like this is about to crash and in that moment i was about to say a few words of prayer now here mm-hmm. was the thing i knew my heart was right with god do you understand mm-hmm. that's why my, these words of prayer now were going to be like uh What's that? no it was more it's more like um <laughs> lord you know i love you <laughs> you know what you say like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> lord you know you know i love you like so, I, I was just about to, but there was no breath. I tried to pray, but there was no breath. To, to say these words of prayer. And just as I knew, like, this plane was going to crash, remember, I had noticed a bunch of things. I noticed that there was smoke somewhere on the ground. I noticed it was like the, the sky was flaming, right? And I knew that this plane was going down. And in that moment, I got up, I looked at the time, and it was time for me to be. In fact, I didn't even allow myself to die or crash. I woke myself up. I said, this is a dream. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? I just got up and I knew it was real. Like I was in real life, I said, no, 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 this is, this is not what happened. Do you understand? And I got up from my bed and of course, I said, that devil that wants me to be the raptor. <laughs> I said, I rebuke you. I'm not missing. And in that moment, it's always important when you have a vision to listen for the voice of the Lord so that you don't use your carnal mind to interpret the vision. So I listened, and all he said to me was, "Didi, prepare for the rapture." Okay, that is be prepared. Just say, "Prepare." Okay, and I said, "Interesting." Like I said, this was not the plan. I was done praying, preparing for this service. I just put my myself to my bed, and I was just there, like that. And somehow, my eyes shut. This happened in a matter of. I'm, what I've described to you it seems like it was an experience of 25 to 30 minutes. This happened in a matter of like, like this. You understand? Know, it just happened, all of that. And, and I was up again. Like I shut my eyes and like opened and I saw all of that. For me to have observed that something crashed and this is this, this, it means that, you, in fact, more likely than not, you missed the rapture. And there was a face, the face of somebody beside me was happy when the plane was elevating, but once it capsided, they knew that it was gone for. And it was like a lot of people would expect to go, but would be shocked that they didn't. Now, we've always heard of visions and dreams, and everybody once in a while comes and says this. But always remember, the more reminders you have, the more expectation there is on you to fulfill. Because it's like you had no excuse. Do you understand? Going to heaven, making it with God, is such that Romans 2 says, Man, you are left without excuse. There's no excuse. Do you understand? He gave us everything we needed to make it. And here's one thing that I've decided within myself it is that making heaven or making the rapture is very easy. It truly is. It truly is. It's never meant to be something that's going to bring fear to you. It's never meant to be. I'm trying to remember what year it was. While I was preparing for maybe New Year's or something, in one of those times, God said, There are people. And he said, Prepare my people. I have a special place where I keep it, I I write it like my heavenly mission. A bunch of things. Of all the things God has told me, these are things that must happen. When you see songs coming out of here, it's not by mistake. God said, Raise unto me ministers of substance and truth. That's how come. The first time uh, you came, it was like, okay, am I, am I going to, are we really going to write a song? I just you know, She was wondering how it was going to happen. But it happened. You all saw it. This week again, another one. With a different style. My point is the Spirit of God is working. It's not our doing. He's working. When we say the end time mission, it's because it's a very focused group. I remember when I was still thinking of what to call this. But it's because it's a very focused we're very focused on this is the end time we're working a certain way to achieve something mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a focused group it's not just military this is like special do you understand know I special operations mm-hmm. sometimes for end time so that's why we're doing what we're doing i said to share that with you because of course it's prepared for the coming of the lord but um the easiest advice i'll give you here, okay, they're just two sides to life, good and evil, flesh and spirit, as much as you can. Everything fleshly that you know that if you stand before God, you cannot defend why you are part of it, why you are watching it, why you are listening to it, why anything you know you cannot defend, just drop it. Too many people tempt themselves. They say, eh, but it's not, you are creating excuses. The fact that you have to create excuses for the thing already shows it's not, it's not upon a solid enough foundation. Anything you cannot defend before God, drop it. My heart goes out to people that almost never have the opportunity. The bus driver that's driving the bus every single day, I think to myself, who will preach to him? You have one day of the week, maybe you say that, like, okay, this is my weekend or whatnot. not. Some of these trained people, like, do you know there are these people that actually, it's as though they never have an opportunity to hear the word of God? Construction people, sometimes like gatekeepers. Sometimes we, we enter a building I want to use for service. The person that allowed you into the building, have you ever thought whether they. I'm just trying to say. So there's a lot of work to do. You understand? As much as you can, share the love of God with people. Tell them Jesus loves them. It's a free message. And I'm doing all within my power, working as hard as I can to make sure that I do things the right way, as God would have, so that we have better, more and more results. So, great things are set to happen. I know I'm struggling to open this today, but (laughs) great things are set to happen. But I thought to share that with you. Okay, so let's get into what we want to get into today. Um, It's a very chunky sermon. So, if you have your notes, you're very blessed. (laughs) It's very, very serious. The last time we were dealing on, what time is it? You know time, somebody. 1. 3. Okay. Okay, very, very good. Very good. The last time we were, this is freedom is not free, part two. Let me just take you through it. Part one, I identified that the Bible presents to us that we are already free. It says that we were taken from the kingdom. darkness from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light and now as sons of god as children of god we are meant to liberate all of creation to join in the liberty of the sons of god but i said it appears as though the scriptures present us to be free but in our experience we are not it seems like it's not lining up What I said, or Jesus said rather, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. But I said that the word he used there was very special. It was not just referring to mental knowledge like just knowing something. I gave you examples. I said truth until it's appreciated will not make you free. For example, if I told you that, uh, oh, it's good to brush your teeth if you want to keep your teeth. That's, you've known it. But if you don't brush your teeth after I've told you, you will still have the results of one who's not taking care of the teeth. Do you understand? So when information comes to you, it's not enough that it came to you. But you have to practice that information. Put it to work. That's what we call putting the Word of God to work. When you put it to work, it will have the results. So the scriptures give us a picture of a life that we are free. That we are not only free, but are meant to be freeing other people. But until we appreciate the truth of the scriptures, we will not be carrying out that ministry. Okay? And I said that the greatest truth that we have is the God nature, is the truth on the God nature inside of us. Because He said that His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I said, every problem that we have is as a result of some lack, some want or the other. Oh, I have a bad memory. Lack, so meaning you lack something. I'm worried about what? You would lack something. Something will be missing. So if there is such a truth that says that everything has been provided, meaning you are completely OK all the time, that is the one truth that remedies everything. Are you following the reasoning? The one is follow the reasoning. Are you following the reasoning? So I started sharing more and more about that God nature. Today, I want to start with a question. When you think about life, circumstances, things, I'm asking, is there anything too hard for God? What do you think? Anything too hard, too difficult? I was told that the bar exam in NYC. <laughs> right? I was told that the bar exam in NYC, New York, is the hardest bar exam in the world. If God wrote that exam, would he pass or would he not pass? <laughs> ah, so God doubting God's ability. I'm asking. He would, right? Yeah. So I'm asking: Is there anything too hard for God? Yeah. Okay, it's an established thing. Nothing is too hard for him. The focus is on this word or subject, God. Okay? I've always said that God is a position and not a person. No <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. oh, way okay. you, know you feel like you're following the church, you're But <laughs> God is a position and not a person. God is a position and not a person. But because only one person occupies that position, it is taken that it is that person you're referring to. For example, the president of a country is a position that you can occupy. All right, it's something you can win. After that, if we ever say, Mr. President, we know we are referring to you. It's not because your name is President. Do you understand? But we're referring to you. That's why I'm I'm trying to show you something. Okay? So when we say God is a position, and not a person, it's important. Now when we say, is there anything too hard for God? Meaning the one occupying this position. Are you following? Good. Jesus said something in Matthew chapter nineteen, verse twenty-six, and this is where you're going to have to follow me very carefully. Matthew chapter nineteen. Verse 26. I want you to see that. And there's a lot for us to go through, so I've tried to give us some speed now because I want to close this subject today. And it's all right if you have missed the previous ones. You can definitely try to get on the TTM YouTube and catch up as to how we got here. But 1926. But Jesus beheld them. He looked at them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. What was interesting was he was sharing on even making it on eternal life and making it with, with the Father, making it to heaven, making it that is actually you know getting there. And he said, With men, it's impossible, so by flesh, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All right. Jesus performed a lot of miracles. Even people that recount of his history and time on earth agree that he seemed to be some miracle worker. Okay? And in John 10, verse 25, he said something. Can we turn there? John 10, 25. He said, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do, I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. They tell of me the works that I do. He said he did it in his Father's name. In John chapter 14, verse 10, he said, the Father in me, he does the works. Who was the Father in him? The Holy Spirit. We just read rhapsodies about the Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay. So God in him, God in him performed the miracles. All right? So my next question to you is this, who is Jesus? John 14. John 14, verse 26. Is that what I want to do? Yes. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, this is the Father in him he was referring to. Okay? The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. The Father will send him in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. I want us to read from verse sixteen to twenty. He says, "And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, who is who? The Holy Ghost. Are you following this? You following? I'll go here. He will give you another Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not." neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. Verse 18, he now says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. I'm asking, who is Jesus? He says, I'm going to go to heaven, ask the Father to send you the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost. Then he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come again to you. Who is Jesus? sounds to me like he's the same person that is going to come in the only difference is he's coming now as the spirit of god when jesus was on earth he was limited to his physical body and physical presence if he was in galilee you could come to galilee to receive from jesus when he comes in the person of the holy spirit jesus is no longer limited to his physical location that is how come we can be experiencing the presence of jesus here loving him here, have him manifested here just as much as he can be manifested in any other gathering where God is being worshipped. Why? Because he is not limited. Spirits are not limited. Do you understand? God is such a spirit that he can divide himself to be in several places at once without losing part of himself. So it's not like, okay, 20% of me go here, 10% of me go here, do you understand? He's 100% present in every location. You say, How is it possible? I asked you before, What is the idea of God? Some people say, How is it possible? If He was like you and could only be in one place at once, then we would not call Him God. He's not worthy to be worshipped. So it's pointless to worship a cow. <coughs> because I kill it and eat it. It's called what? Suya. <laughs> are you watching me What's the lesson are you <laughs> they are following now man eh? so who is jesus he said he is that same spirit who is that spirit in genesis chapter one he says in the beginning was the word god created word. rather that's john oh. james <laughs> in, in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the spirit of god was upon the face so god is a spirit the spirit of god was moving if we say that jesus is the spirit for well, he said he will come who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Some people need to know now because, yeah, you know, trinity problems, <laughs> trinity problems. How is he at the same time? <laughs> I just said it in a different way here. I said the very God of heaven came on earth, all right? In the person of Jesus. These are important things for you to know, okay? So he is God. He is God. And it's important that you you see this because the revelation of who Jesus is can can only come to you by revelation. I didn't want to use it twice. But who Jesus is can only come to you by revelation. In Mark chapter 16, or Matthew chapter 16, Jesus came with his disciples and said, Who do men say that I am? You know, before I ever um, speak with people, especially when I know I want to speak with them on a deeper level as to help their own life, I say, Who do you see me to be? It's a very important question. If the person tells me, oh yeah, I see you as like a friend, you know, a guy, I say, "No one. Well, it's not going to go anywhere now. Do you understand? I say, oh, I see you like a spiritual leader, I think you can actually help me to, uh-huh. I can talk to them. To some point, I'm wasting my time if, you, if you're still seeing me on the, do you understand? On the same. Of course, we relate as friends, of course, of course. But you need to know when the voice of God is speaking to you. That's what's important. There's a time where it's like, yeah, this is a casual interaction. There are other times where the person is speaking with the inspiration of the Spirit of God. I could be talking to my friend, and maybe because I've been too lazy to pray, God is not going to use my friend to speak to me. And if I'm always thinking, this is my friend, this is my friend, I'll miss the voice of God, even though he made it very plain and obvious, the best way he could through a human being. You've been saying that, God, I can't see you, show yourself to me. He now uses your friend, and you say, God, I still can't see you. <laughs> So, the revelation of Jesus can only come by revelation, I've used it again. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father revealed this to you, that truly he was God in flesh. Alright? And I shared with you some time ago, just about a vision I had, right? About the rapture. And it's about walking in salvation. So I want to read you something. Philippians chapter 2. Let's hop there. From verse 12. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He says, As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more should you be obedient good people in my absence he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling work out your salvation he says you're already saved you're already free you're already healed you know salvation is a very big word it means deliverance healing freedom Rescue. So when you're asking God to heal you, he's really not going to heal you. He already has. In this thing called salvation. Now what you are meant to do is work out that salvation. And that's why many people don't know what to do. You see, if I'm already healed, why am I like this? Is that? Because they're going through something. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God, this very being, this same being, it is God which worketh in you, who is functional, operative in you, both to will, to inspire, and to do his good pleasure. Jesus said, to make it in the, to the very end is not possible as a person. What God requires is too high. But God did something. He knew that anything he needed to achieve, he could do by his Spirit. So he said, My Spirit will no longer just be an encounter that you have once in a while. I will make it possible that my Spirit will be in you to inspire my righteousness in you, to actually perform my righteousness this is the one reason that there is no excuse to go to hell or to miss the rapture because he provided something his spirit he says work out your salvation in fact it means work out fully your salvation you study the originals work out fully meaning to the completeness max out your salvation meaning use every blessing that is in salvation and he says the reason i can require this from you is because God is at work in you both to will and to perform his good pleasure. So this is why God can expect the perfection okay that was in Jesus from us. He can expect it. He is not wrong to. Heaven does not do mediocrity. I was listening to the snippets and, as Chris said something, he said, when you're born again, you're not born as a civilian, into a civilian lifestyle. You're actually born into a military lifestyle. And this is what some people don't understand. Because sometimes when evangelists are preaching, you see, doesn't matter where you are, in darkness, you're suffering. This come to Jesus. He'll make you well. He'll give you peace. Do and so you think that by the time you say that prayer, all your debt to be paid, everything, you know. But he only made you right with God. After that, it's you to sort out your whole life. So you may receive Jesus today and still have like a very hazy. Understand? It's not automatic. You still have a lot of work to do. He says, work out. For those who do exercise, it's working out easy. It needs consistency. It's not the first day that the muscle will come. Even though after the first day you feel, but it's not the first day. It's continually. Okay? And something is built. So he could expect the same thing from us because he put his spirit in us. We've asked, who is Jesus? We've known him. Who is the Spirit? We've known his God. Who is Jesus, therefore? We've known his God. Now he makes us as he is in salvation. So he can expect the same kind of God results from us. The same kind of perfection from us. Question, who is the Christian then? Who is the Christian? Through Jesus' life on earth... We can have an idea as to what we are like, or are to be like. Even though he operated in a lesser glory than he has now, but we have an idea. You say, why do I say it's a lesser glory? Because he did tell us that those who come after him, that believe in him, would do greater works. But he showed us an example. His apostles who received his spirit showed us an example. Now it's our turn. And he says the glory of the latter house will definitely surpass that of the former. So it's only meant to get better. But it's sad because I remember in preparing for Influence Conference, a conference I had last year, I was saying that it seems that we are even trying to catch up to what the apostles had. Because now it seems like everything is just flat. But it's not meant to be. So who is the Christian? I said we can see from Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. Let's read from uh, Matthew 14. Let's read from 30 to 36. I wish I could have some people go for it. But I'll show you. What did Jesus, what was Jesus like? He said, but when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, "Hold on! I going to get something." Mm-hmm-hmm. Yeah. This was between Peter walking on water, right? And immediately Jesus, oh, 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 let me start from thirty so you get it. But when he saw the boisterous winds, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, "Lord, save me!" And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? 32, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Verse 33, then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of in truth, thou art the Son of God. Son of God means God in flesh. I want you to know that. 34, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. And when the people, or when the men of that place had knowledge of him, when they knew that Jesus was around, I want you to see what happened. They sent out unto all the country, or into all the country round about, and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that he might only touch, that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. We see that from his life. I remember telling you that knowledge begets expectation. It gives us hope. And that hope now gives us expectation. Read the same portion. Matthew 15. Verse 25 to 31. It says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me, the woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil, who had a devil in her. right, And that... Devil was disturbing her you know a lot of sicknesses a lot of things that happen with people are caused by demons now she worshipped him and said lord help me but he answered and said it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs and she said truth lord yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table verse 28 then jesus answered and said to her o woman great is thy faith be it unto thee even as thou wilt and her daughter was made whole from that hour 29. And Jesus departed from there and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat there. And great multitudes came to him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered. People wondered. You know, in the song today, what did I say? They were wondering. They were in wonder. Whenever we have songs and we're ministering songs, look at the lyrics. That's why we put them there so that you can appreciate the songs. You won't just live up vibes. Oh, the service felt so holy. No, you see the words and appreciate what's, what's going on. All right? In so much that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the maimed were made whole. You know what the maimed are? That is, people with missing limbs. Whole legs, gone. A whole leg could be gone. Or an arm. But when they came to Jesus, Something happened. The legs grew out. And it didn't say over a week. It was there. The maimed were made whole. The lame were walking. All right. The blind were made to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. This is the expectation. All right. This is what we see from his life that followed him. Mark chapter 7. Mark 7, from 31. Are we following something? From verse 31, and again departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came onto the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coasts, coasts of Decapolis, and they brought unto on him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. There was something wrong with his talking. It's why I, I never knew that uh, stuttering was such a problem until I saw it healed and then I said, truly, it can be healed. So this guy had a problem with his speaking. And they besought him to put his hands on him. They knew this about Jesus. So whenever they saw him, they looked for who needed help. Alright? And we get a picture of what Christians are to be like. They besought him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside and put his fingers in his ears and his back and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened. And the string of his tongue was loosed. And he spake plainly. This is Jesus. And he charged them that nobody, they shouldn't tell anybody, but they were all astonished that he made all things well. Look at what he says. He had done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. This is the life that he presents. And in Psalm 107, we read something. It says, God sent his word and healed their disease and delivered them of their destruction. So, what we find with the life of Jesus was that he was the living word. He was the word made flesh. When he went to a place, people were healed and delivered from their destruction. Now ask him, who is the Christian? I said you see a type of it from his life. John 1, 14 to 15 tells us that the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst them. Alright? They beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. We read that there. But then John 1.16 tells us that of his fullness have all we received. And grace for grace. He says we've received of the fullness of God. It's important that you see it. John chapter 1. Go there. You will love scriptures by <laughs> <laughs> oh, Of course. Because I'm just going to keep reading them out to you. John 1, 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. That word that was from the beginning. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I speak, that he that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. This is a remarkable portion. He says, the one that is coming after me, physically he's coming after me, that is in his appearing, he's coming after me. But he is ranked before me because he was before me. So even the scripture acknowledges that age is something, it's not just uh, an African thing. Do you understand? (laughs) He says he existed before me. But he came after me. For all we know, John was likely older than Jesus. But he says that Jesus was before him existed before him that which was from the beginning who is jesus and don't be shocked when you're trying to explain this to people that jesus is god and they're arguing with you because it's something that they can only receive by revelation no matter how you try to prove it flesh and blood can't, re- can't reveal it logic can't it's by revelation you just clock jesus is god everything testifies that he is I was talking with a friend of mine and what he couldn't understand, he was a Muslim and I was showing him from his Quran that Jesus <laughs> is God, you know. So I said, look, he said, he said Jesus is a created thing, Jesus is created. He said, look, it's like God speaks and that's, the, that's Jesus is there, like that's the bottle, the created thing. I said, no, Jesus is not the bottle. Hmm? This word that he spoke like this. Huh? If this word puts on flesh what do you call that word is that word separate from the one that spoke it he said how <laughs> he said, how can a word be it no i said the word itself not the created thing the word itself what do you call it it has no identity apart from the very being it came from he couldn't accept it but it's something that comes from revelation i said your quran says it whatever god says it is So, he says, a word from God. How is written in the Quran? He says, Angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, a word from God. His name shall be called Jesus. Meaning what? A word from God. That word is called what? Jesus. So I said, ah, it's even in your Quran. It's not even in mine. He said, how? He said, I don't don't get what you're saying. (laughs) But it's there. Right? Just by revelation. So Jesus is the word of God in flesh. All right? But what happened as a Christian? To you. He says, of his fullness have all we received. Verse 16, and of his fullness, of God's fullness have all of us received, and grace for grace. He says that we've received of the fullness of God, everything that makes God God, we've received. But he says, grace for grace. So he says, the experience of our divinity is subject to one thing grace and you are able to go from one level of grace to the next. And he says that this thing called grace, if you're looking for a unit to measure it, like how you say, this is five centimeters long, this is uh, a meter long, he says the, the, the unit we're using here is grace. And he says, depending on the grace on your life, which is something that you can change, because you know, some people say, uh, the grace, it depends on the grace on your life, and they just saying, think everybody has, okay, this person has 50, this person, no. It says, depending on the grace of your life, that will determine how much of this God nature is expressed through you. You following that? It will determine how much of it is expressed. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This is important. So, the scriptures tell us who Jesus is. And there is a reason he gave us the scriptures. So that the hope and the life that he gave us will be well defined and managed. Notice the word I used, managed. You know, if I tell you something today, and I say keep passing it by oral tradition, what would happen by the time he gets to the 12th person? Even by five. In fact, by three, the message is already changing. Now, this is a truth that was meant to last over 2,000 years. How many people would it get to if it was just by oral tradition? But if I write something now, even writing can be changed, but if I write something now, even in court, a document is more persuasive than any other thing. If it's been written, you can't change it. You understand? If it's been written so the scriptures are given us so that we have a definition of his hope and his life and so that it could be managed it could stand the test of time let me give you a definition of management by miles monroe so that you get this miles monroe said do you know miles monroe does anybody know Mas monroe? monroe excellent amazing person he, he said management is the effective efficient correct and timely use of another person's property and resources for the purpose for which it was delegated with a view to produce the expected added value now it's very very complicated but it's very very precise There just a number of things i want you to notice from it he said it is the correct use of something scriptures were given us so that what he gave us would be used correctly the correct use of something he said is the efficient use of something and the effective use of something to produce the expected added value what that means to me is that anything that is not managed will go to ruin your body you're not mindful of the things you put inside it you're just putting things in <laughs> this is edible, mm, mm. Mm. drown the muffin. you know Your teeth your hair anything your car you see keep taking it to maintenance if you don't ensure that it's well managed what happens to it it goes to ruin and it will last it won't last as long as it was meant to do you know how many people have died not because god willed for them to die but they didn't actually manage their bodies well even ministers who have been used in healing they healed others But if you hear what they died of, you be like, "How this person, this one that raised the dead, how?" If you don't manage, it will go to ruin. Okay. So the scriptures were given to us to give us a picture, a picture, a picture. First John chapter four, verse seventeen. It's a chunky one, but you get it. First John chapter 4 verse 17 he tells us hearing is our love made perfect our love is established is completed in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is as Jesus is right now so are we in this world that's the picture exactly like he is we've been made in this world James 1:17 to 18 and then somebody should open 1 Peter 2. So, Paulo, you want to go for that? 1 Peter 2, verse 23. I read it? Um, JG or something. Okay, go for James 1 17 to 18. After that, Mpala can read. I want you to see something there every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created since every good and perfect gift comes from god it comes from above from god the father of lights in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning and this god chose that we will be born by the word of his truth so that we'll be a kind of first fruit of all of his creation he chose that the very word he's made of will be born of he said every good and perfect gift is his word perfect is god perfect it comes from above and he chose that we'll be born after that same word What does that mean? It means you are a gift to your world. You are a good and perfect gift from God to your world. He just told you. Let's read it again. Let's read it again, just before you read that one. He says, every good and perfect gift. James chapter one. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights, that's God, with whom is no variableness, he doesn't change, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will, he begat us, he gave birth to us, he gave birth to us, he produced us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits. I'm saying, who is the Christian? Remember, we dealt with who is Jesus. We matched him to the spirit. Who is the spirit? We matched him to God. From there, we understood that Jesus is God. That he gave us his spirit. Now James tells us that we are born after the very word of God. And he says only perfect things come from God. He's incapable of producing imperfection because he is God. Who is the Christian? Because there are a lot of songs, things that we do, things that we think that don't line up with that. But it's because we lost the plot he said whoever doesn't do the word of god he's like that one he looked at himself in the mirror then went did another thing he says he forgot the one he saw in the mirror he didn't say that he was not that thing in the mirror that's like the christian who's struggling with sin. lord i'm a sinner you are lying why because the one in the mirror is different he says look in the mirror that's the true image If you go and do something else, he says, you've forgotten the real image. He doesn't say you are not that image. So that's what happens when you're still trying to find your feet. You do things that don't line up with the one in the mirror. But he says, look again. He says, don't forget that image. Do you understand? So he says, he gave birth to us of his word. First Peter. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Yeah. Who, when he was revealed, did not or reviled? Did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to give who judges righteous. Okay. Can you read? That's talking about Jesus, anyway it goes to 24 his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree being dead to sins we should live unto righteousness by, by his stripes who we were healed mind you that's not talking about the the christian interestingly interestingly first peter actually quite refers quite speaks to the jews not actually to christians but we cite it a lot of times the reason it doesn't apply to christians about whose stripes by whose stripes we were healed is because jesus took stripes for sinners For the world but when you're talking about the christian you're talking about the one who was born after the resurrection a completely new creation jesus never suffered stripes for the christian he's actually the result of the new birth the resurrection if anything so our basis for actually quote-unquote asking for healing is on a different thing it's actually based on the spirit of god living in us Alright? The spirit of God is in us. And, you know, some people tell you that they got a testimony even though they said, by your stripes you the healed all that. The reason is because um, spiritual things are very interesting. One is God uh, having mercy on your ignorance. I mean, at least you already even forced the scripture out in this situation. You understand? But then, after that, there, he expects you to grow and understand that there's a spirit of life inside you. And it's on the basis of that spirit of life inside you that you should not be sick or die you understand but the scripture i want to actually read to you is first peter 1 verse 23. he says being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of god which lives and abides forever The reason I love this so much is it says, we are born of incorruptible seed. You know what it means for something to be incorruptible? It means it doesn't change. If you say that this whiteboard is incorruptible, it means that no matter what you throw on it, whether it's black, brown, it will never change the color white. That's what it means to be an incorruptible whiteboard. Now he says that you are incorruptible, born of the incorruptible word, meaning that your life is incorruptible, your righteousness is incorruptible, your holiness is incorruptible, nothing can change your identity. You know some people feel like if they do like this, it's changed, they've, done, they've become something else. You're not. You're the very thing God called you, holy, righteous. Okay. So he gave us that picture of a more perfect light. And we are now to allow that that light, that identity shine to our world. And based on that identity shining to our world, he says that people would see it and glorify him. The same way it was with Jesus. When he performed those miracles, when he did those things, they said, truly, you are the son of God. And he says they all glorified God of Israel okay so these things have been given to us and a second ago we're talking about stripes what about the blood have you ever heard people talk about pleading the blood in fact in second we used to say we cover the the field with the blood of Jesus, cover this house with the blood blood of Jesus blood of Jesus blood of Jesus people do so many things but it's a misappropriation of the blood. The blood is powerful, but I'll explain to you this way: the blood is significant of what his death, and now we have. Let me tell you where people we'll get it wrong. If someone shot a bullet at you, meaning you were meant to die, right? But somebody jumped and caught that bullet for you. The life you now enjoy, is it by pleading that person's blood, that is that person's life, that anything happens with you? That's a complex it. My point is, they cut the bullet so that you would live. The life that you now have, that you are living daily, is the result of that bloodshed. There is nothing in Jesus' blood to plead. It is the the very fact that he died. Do you understand? And now you are to live. That is the blessing. So we're not meant to plead the blood. We're meant to live in the blessing of the blood. His blood was shed to establish a new will. When we say New Testament, open your Bibles to the New Testament. New Testament means new will. It's like new promise, new will, new new testimony. It's actually not a promise, new testimony. What is the new testimony? The old testimony was blood of bulls and goats being sacrificed that could only provide a covering for sin. I I used to teach that time the concept of sin, but it could only provide a covering for sin. The Hebrew word is kafar, a covering. But when they appear before God, there is still sin there. But Jesus' blood provided something greater than a covering. It was called remission. And remission of sin is such that that sin is removed from your name. It is not taken as there anymore and it is taken that you never committed it Why? it's counted on him as he sinned do you understand so now you are not to plead the blood instead you're enjoying that blessing lord my sins were counted on you you suffered the punishment for that i'm born into a new life i want to read you some scriptures on, on on that on that thing so that you understand what is the New Testament in, in terms of the blood? So the New Testament is based on a new will, a new will. So you don't bleed the blood or cover with the blood. You live in what He died to establish. If someone died or took a bullet for for you, you don't use their blood for anything. You try to get their blood? Done. No, you don't use their blood for anything. You enjoy the life that their blood was shed to allow you have. Are we following this? There's the same thing with Jesus. So many people know the power of the blood, but in appropriating its blessings, that's where they get it wrong. Instead, we live in the blessing. Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to go for it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. Hebrews chapter 12. So that we see that. Yep. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels Cardinal. to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect to yep. Jesus oh, okay. yep, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant That's it. and to the blood of sprinkling yep. that speaks better things than that of he says to jesus the mediator of the new covenant the initiator of the new covenant the one that brings the new testament in force and he says that blood speaks better things than the blood of abel it's what his blood stands for hebrews chapter 10 from verse 1. i'll read that quickly so that we get some of this we're about to finish hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. He says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, cannot, can never with those sacrifices which were offered year by year, continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. Since says, the law could not make those people perfect. For then, they would have ceased to be offered. If they could make those people perfect, there was no need to offer again. You understand? But they had to keep doing it every year. He says, because those worshippers were once purged. Because those worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance year by year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. This is the difference between Jesus' blood and the animals' blood. Wherefore, when he came into the world, he says, he said, sacrifice an offering you don't want, God, but a body you have prepared that's his body in burnt offerings and sacrifices he didn't have pleasure so jesus said lo i come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will o god above when he said sacrifice and burnt offerings for sin he does not want neither does he have pleasure in what is offered by the law then said he lo i come to do thy will o god he taketh away the first that the he taken away the first that he may establish the second that is he taken away the what the old that he may establish the new by the which things we are sanctified through the offering of who the body of Jesus Christ once for all 11 and every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till all his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever. Mm. He has perfected forever they that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us. For after that, he said, this is the covenant that I will make with them. What I'm showing you from here is what? The reasoning. That's what Paul was trying to explain. That Jesus explained to us how that God did not need all those sacrifices. He wasn't pleased with them. But instead, he prepared a body Who was this body? Jesus. The body of Jesus. And he says, by that sacrifice, he has perfected forever. I remember dwelling on this verse for a long time. He says, he has perfected forever. Do you realize God perfected you forever? Forever perfected. Think about it. The power of scripture and when it starts to work in your life is when you meditate on it. Meaning when you think about it. Remember one of the prayer points we raised today was about what? That as we look at the glory, we'll be taken there. As it's coming to you, you're being taken there. As you think about it, it comes, you know, more and more your experience, He says by one sacrifice he perfected forever they which are sanctified. Sac- to be sanctified means to be set aside. Hold aside. That's what makes you holy. So he sets you aside. And because of that sacrifice, you are perfected forever. So there needs to be a consciousness of perfection. Perfected forever. You can't be improved. That is the result of his sacrifice. Can't be improved. There is no better sacrifice. He could not give you a better righteousness. This is why you don't become more holy or more righteous. You just live out that perfect one that he gave you. And when he says, work out your salvation, you're just getting better and better at working out so that you line up completely. The Bible says that we may grow up into him in all things. You understand? A child first masters what? Walking. That is one part of human life. There comes another time. Running. You understand? He masters that. After that, what? Jumping. He could choose to reverse it however he wants to do it. But my point is, There are different things to master. And remember, we talked about grace to grace. Levels of grace that determine divinity. So, the, the scriptures will educate you on what's available, what's there. And you get better and better at that. So, at practicalizing your righteousness. Practicalizing your holiness. Learning to be separate from the world. It's a practice. The first day, it seems difficult. After a while, it becomes natural to you. And it becomes unnatural to do those things that you were once doing paul said when i was a child i thought like a child i spoke like a child i reasoned like a child when i became a man i put away childish things you understand are we following this mm-hmm. so when you look at this how that he has perfected us forever that his blood has established something new we see that we are just here to fulfill scripture Isaiah 53 verse 8 says, his life shall be accounted for a generation. It tells us about a generation. Let's read that. Prophetic language. Isaiah chapter 53. I know you've seen a lot of scriptures today, but you'll be happy when you watch it back or replay. Isaiah 53. From verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off. Out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He was cut off out of the land of the living, so you think his legacy is gone. But he says, No, there's a generation to declare him. And remember, we are a chosen generation. How many of you know that? Exactly. So we are the chosen generation. He says, Who shall declare his generation? Who shall tell of his generation? We are that generation to tell of who he truly was. Yes, sir. So what we are doing is fulfilling scripture. That's what we have in 1 Peter 2 9. Right? Fulfilling scripture. The last thing I'll just show you is that is a particular instance or sermon that Jesus gave. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 6. The previous part shows how Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. He just said, stretch forth your hand, and the hand that was withered just came out. My goodness. Verse 11 says, and they were all filled with madness, and communed one with another, what they might do to Jesus. Verse 12 says, and it came to pass in those days that he went into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. After that, he names the 12 apostles, After that, he has a crusade. He heals those who had diseases that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And everybody sought to touch him because they came power from him, virtue from him that healed everybody. Then he preached a long sermon from verse 20, all the way, all the way till 49. He preached a very long sermon. But I just want to bring out a part of that so that you see. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus tells us something. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Do you remember in our song? Ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful, and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So Jesus constantly spoke about acting like the Father, living like the Father, being merciful. He says, "Do good to people, lend to people, hoping for nothing." Again, I wish, I wish the times I've given people money, I gave without expecting, because I was expecting, and now they have failed like human beings, and now you call them, and they are saying that they are not going to pay. Forget it, take the L and go. I said, wow. But he says, lend, hoping for nothing again. I wish this was my mentality. You know, and that's why it's my new principle. When I give people, but I just act like it's not even coming back. Jesus is giving you financial principles. So he says, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend without hoping for anything again. For your reward shall be great, and then you'll be children of the highest for his kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So, what are we meant to do now? live as children of the highest. Children of the highest, children of the highest rank, children of, of, of the most high. Live like him. Express him. Say I'm a gift from God. Do you remember where that's from? James 1. I'm a gift from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. I'm a gift from God. I'm a gift to my world. It becomes your thinking. When you think like this, you only want to live purposefully. Because you think you're a gift. You have to be wrapped well. Meaning, what? You have to dress well. You have to look good. You're representing him. Alright? I'm a gift from God. You think about your righteousness. How he perfected you forever. So, in conclusion to this subject on freedom, not being free. We must appreciate the truth of the scripture. What it tells us. Practice. Live, believe, and then what happens? We experience that freedom. And remember that the freedom comes from what? The God nature. Is God lacking anything? Is God worried about tomorrow? No. So it comes from that. I'm looking forward to you know how uh, in your curriculum you have theory, and some would not appreciate the theory. until they get to the practical? Then they wish that they studied the theory very well. I know. That's what we're, we're, we're gradually stepping into. Ministries and in stages, all right? And um, without due process, you would never appreciate other stages. So that's why it's important to learn some of these things because they become your foundations. Well, how many people have been blessed today? You've learned something. You picked one of three things. Very, very good. I want you to, right where you are, thank the Lord for the message. Thank Him for the truth of the scriptures the image he provides the picture he provides to us thank you thank you thank you thank you he goes to so prakati